When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Bloody Disgusting Network. The ensuing show will change, transform, and otherwise alter you. Good luck. I-95, night, deep night, burned out street lamps, we're roughly 35 miles outside of Portland, Maine, a road sign informs us we're 22 miles from Jerusalem's lot and 15 from Castle Rock, headlights cut through the darkness as a busted up Buick pulls to the side of the road. A husky older man, Bill, hustles out, grabbing at his belt. Why'd you have to have that second nozzle up, Bill? This snake's ready to spit venom. Bill makes it to the trees at the side of the road. Slow pan from the pissing man to the trajectory of his headlights, which shine on an empty church, its windows shattered and jagged. A gray cat sits on the steps, unmoving. Slow pan from the church to Bill. Heavens to Betsy, forgive me, prostate, for I have sinned. Slow pan from Bill back to the church. The gray cat still sits on the step, but it's no longer alone. A dark man sits on the same step. Cowboy boots creep up denim legs. Buttons dot a denim jacket. An impossible shadow swallows the dark man's face. Slow pan from the church back to Bill, who's all done. Slow and steady, and not a drop wasted. He turns back to his car, following the headlights. His eyes widen. Cut to church steps. The gray cat sits, alone. Bill walks to the cat, holds out a hand. Aren't you cute? The cat swipes at him, eyes glowing in the headlights. Easy, Fritz. Shaking his head, nursing the non-existent scratch on his hand. He turns back to his car, and the dark man is standing between the headlights. His face is still masked in darkness. Shining through that scrim of black, however, is a white smile, like milk curving through an oil slick. Howdy. Bill is caught off guard, hand clutching his heart. The hat falls off his head. He scrambles to pick it up. When his eyes turn back to the car, the dark man is standing by the passenger side door. Liquid lunch, detective? 
You spend your morning John with a pancake for brain sheriff and you do the same. How'd you know I was a detective? The dark man cocks his head towards the windshield. Bill's detective badge sits on the dash. Your cat? <laughs> well, us strays stick together. How about a lift? That cat ain't getting in my car. Uh, just me then? You break down? In a manner of speaking. Passing through Castle Rock? Just a hop, skip, and a jump. Doors unlocked. Inside the car, Bill drives, shoveling some chips into his mouth. The dark man, white smile piercing his black shadow, sits in the passenger seat. Ultron Castle Rock. Uh, old friend. Lady friend? I think so, but uh, names can be deceiving. You're telling me. Spent the afternoon chasing four different John Smiths through Portland. Not one was the one. And uh, what did this elusive John Smith do? That's the thing. Nobody knows. Fires, property damage, bodies. Tall fella. Scar carving through long, dark hair. Easy to spot, but hard to pin down. Bill yawns, struck by a sudden bout of exhaustion. He looks at the dark man, who stares straight ahead at the road unfolding below them. <sighs> you know what happened in Castle Rock, don't you? The murders. That missing Deaver guy. <sighs> Whatever the hell went down at the old Martin house, town's taut as razor wire. Ain't no joy in these streets no more. Hey, you awake? Uh, I'm drinking. Bill furrows his brow, yawns again. <sighs> Might need to get a room there myself. His head droops a little. The dark man stares straight ahead. The car begins slowing and drifting across lanes. It crashes through a sign reading, Road Work. Headlights illuminating a copse of trees. The sound of crunching metal, shattered glass, as cries of pain erupt all around the dark man. He, however, never jerks, swings, or falls. It is as if an invisible shield surrounds him. Moments later, the dark man stands outside the car, unscathed. His face, no longer cloaked in shadow, is hairless and tan and handsome. He looks out, sees the not-so-distant lights of Castle Rock's quaint downtown. He looks to his right, where a rundown warehouse looms in the darkness. As he walks away, the windshield reveals Bill unconscious in the car. He's alive, but bruised, hat cocked over his closed eyes. On the dashboard in front of him is a badge. It reads, Detective Bill Hodges. Inside the warehouse, the dark man walks towards a wall of storage units, many of them either abandoned or covered in cobwebs. A door is drawn over one unit, and on it is painted a red eye, crude and cursed. From the dark man's pocket comes a keychain, two ornaments, the letters R and F dangle from it. The eye glows lightly as he enters lock into key. From inside the storage unit, we see the steel door lift, moonlight pouring in. The dark man, eyes now oozing a coarse red, stands directly before it. A 1958 Plymouth Fury, in pristine condition, with not a speck of dust upon it, sits before him. Its engine roars to life, its headlights flash on and off, there is no one behind the wheel. Ooh, someone missed me. 
Castle Rock's Mellow Tiger is hopping. A gaggle of girls giggle over the jukebox. <laughs> What's with all this classic rock bullshit? Got any gaga? Behind the bar, the drink slinger turns around to reveal it's Jackie Torrance, a pretty blonde in her early 20s. We got Radio Gaga. If you're looking for a lady, might I suggest Janice Joplin? You all look like you could use some cheap thrills. The girls don't care. Jackie turns her attention to a dark-haired gentleman at the bar. A scar cuts a path through his hair. This is John Smith Jr. Another gray? Whatever's cold. Gray it is. You a rubbernecker? What's this called? Gray matter. Why would anyone name a beer gray matter? They bottle it up in banger. So you're a rubbernecker or what? What would I be rubbernecking at? Ever since the Marston House blew up last year, this town's been plagued by reporters, sicko tourists, whoever. Some people think it was all part of a cult or something. Was it? I don't know. Weirder shit swam through these streets. I was out west. And what's out west? A hotel, supposedly. Gone by the time I arrived, just ashes. Gave me an idea, though. You might have seen it next door. Oh, that's yours? The New Overlook, Castle Rock's newest and finest bed and breakfast. Got any rooms? Oh, about 19. Out of? 20. Well, you know what? Make that 18. I need a place to stay. Really? Oh, thank God. I'm Jackie, by the way. Jackie Torrance. There's a commotion as a group of burly drinkers make for the exit. Jock, you are not driving home. Not tonight. I'm fine, Jackie. You keep flirting with Scarhead over there. <laughs> Jack Merrill, ladies and gentlemen. As Jock passes by John, he bumps into him with his shoulder, smirking. John has a physical reaction to this, his hand clutching his forehead. Suddenly, we're inside John's head. Grainy images pass, Jock and the boys climbing in his truck, roaring down the streets of Castle Rock and crashing into a building. Flames, burning bodies. Back in the bar, John snaps out of it, stands up. Give her your keys. Excuse me? I don't want any trouble, but you're clearly drunk. Not so drunk I can't make that scar six inches bigger. Oh, Jack Merrill remains undefeated. Jock swings at John, who dodges it and delivers a pitch-perfect thrust kick. He crouches into a fighting position, then delivers clean roundhouses to the rest of Jock's crew. Jackie watches on. Where did he learn how to do that? Grab his keys. I'm calling you a cab. A few hours later, closing time, Jackie locks the door, then she and John walk next door. There sits the new Overlook, a rustic yet sprawling house not nearly so imposing as its predecessor. One light shines from an upstairs room. Lone tenant? Keeping me in business at this point. Jackie shows John his room. Small, cozy, and clean. John drops his suitcase. Room 217. My favorite. Yeah. Yeah, this should work. Can I ask you something? 
Where'd you learn those moves? Old job, old life. Oh, I forgot to ask, how long do you plan on staying? Do you think I could get back to you on that? Thunder and lightning outside. John cringes. You okay? Uh, I just don't like lightning. Well, have a good night. And if you hear anything, it's just the pipes. She leaves. John begins unpacking. Suddenly, through the window, a flash of orange colors his face and he looks up in fear. In the distance, an orange glow. The lightning. It's gotta be. A blonde woman, face set and determined, charges down the street. Walking towards her is a tipsy Jock Merrill. Hey, uh, where are you off to in such a hurry, sweetheart? She stops, looks at him. I'm looking for a hotel. (laughs) I got a place you can stay for free. Shut up. She walks by him and he grabs after her. She seizes his forearm. Jock screams, pulls away. His arm is seared, smoking. This is Charlie McGee. John sleeps. The lights are off in both the room and the adjoining bathroom. After a moment, the bathroom light clicks on, shining on John's sleeping face. It turns off. It turns on. Softly, the sound of a body slipping into the bathtub. This stirs John from sleep. Charlie marches deeper into Castle Rock. Slowly, a cop car rolls up next to her. Officer Tessio leans out. Miss, we have sidewalks for a reason. Miss, did you bump into a young man a bit ago? Beard, flannel, bit of an asshole? Miss, I'm going to need you to... Her gaze unwavering, Charlie raises her right arm and the car flips like a lawn chair in the wind. It lands with a crunch on its roof, and Tessio shakes his head, dazed and bruised but conscious. What did I say? Charlie is further down the street. Tessio dizzyingly climbs out. Get back here! Hey! Charlie turns, her arm reaching out towards him. Lights flicker in the windows of the surrounding homes. Tessio looks at her arm. All the hairs are standing up. Suddenly, the power lines explode in a sheet of sparks as a fireball launches from Charlie's hand. Tessio dives out of the way, and the fireball hits the car, which explodes in a flower of flames. Charlie marches on. Tessio's radio squawks, confused voices. Tessio, red and sweating, unhooks it, brings it to his mouth. Hell. That's what happened. Hell has arrived in Castle Rock. And she's kind of cute. John's room. Someone's in the tub. John is inching towards the bathroom door, which is ajar. Through the crack, he sees the tub's shadow, as well as that of the hunched body that's inside. This is a dream. This is a dream. This is a dream. He changes his stance, peering through the crack from another direction. He sees the mirror, sees his own pale, scared reflection. He tips his head, sees the edge of the tub, tips his head more. There is a woman in the tub, and she's beautiful. Her eyes raise. She looks into the mirror, right at him. John screams, shaking. He looks back into the bathroom. The woman is gone. 
In her place is a rotting gray corpse, its eyes shining like miniature flashlights. John blinks tightly when he reopens his eyes. The tub is empty. No woman, no water. The light, however, remains on. John opens the door. A middle-aged man wearing a robe stands there. Hello. Uh, Hi. Uh, Who are you? Your neighbor. Is everything okay? Why are you here? I heard screaming. I, uh... I I saw something. I think. You too, huh? Listen. Jackie arrives. Have you guys looked out the window? John does. Jackie and middle-aged man follow him. An orange glow covers their faces. John's face falls. She's found me. Who is she? The fire starter. (laughs) Moonlight spills over an abandoned farm. The farmhouse is sunken in disrepair. A coyote sleeps on the porch, which is covered in spider webs. The barn is pocked and weathered after decades of hailstorms. A water pump is tilted, rusted over. Camber reads the faded word painted on a tipped-over mailbox. This is a dead place. It's strange, then, to see such a pristine vintage automobile glide over the brown grass. The dark man sits inside, one arm draped out of the open window. He parks the Plymouth Fury. Inside the car, the dark man turns, as if speaking to someone next to him. Sure is a beaut, this stallion. Best nights of my life were in this car. The dark man nods, smiling. But who is he talking to? Well deserved. Did a bang-up job restoring it by all accounts. I was always a tucker man myself. Torpedo? Oh, sure, but have you heard of the talisman? An old friend gave me a spin in his... Too bad old Preston never got the chance to make more, but hey, <laughs> hell hath no fury like the SEC. Of course I got all the fury. One could ask for or at my fingertips. The dark man grins, pats the dash. What I need now is something, shall we say, uh, rabid in devotion and behavior. Pull up 15 yards. Park by the palm. The fury rolls ahead glass bottle shattering beneath its wheels. It stops by the pump. The dark man, it's revealed, is alone in the front seat. The driver's side door opens and the dark man's boots touch down. He kneels over. Buried beneath glass and grass is a weathered grave marker. Cujo, it reads. Next to it is a dusty shovel. All my little talents, yet I still gotta dig a hole the old-fashioned way. Feel free to lend a hand. Charlie turns the corner, finds herself faced with the new overlook. John stands out front, alone. Jackie and the middle-aged man can be seen looking through the window. Inside the new overlook, Jackie and the middle-aged man are huddled by the front window. Who is that? I don't know, but is it possible to turn the heat down? Are you kidding? It's barely... She touches her forehead. She's sweating. He is too. Actually, scratch that. 
I don't think it's the heat. Charlie is holding her hands out where an orange glow is swelling in size and intensity. No more running. Sweat drips from her brow, both from the heat and her effort. But before you incinerate me, will you just hear me out? The fireball forming in her hands grows bigger. I wasn't myself, you know, when, when, when we, when, when I, they tinkered with me too, you know? Okay? I didn't have a choice. We always have a choice. And you have the choice not to do this. To not hurt anymore. To not hurt any more innocent people over your anger at me. Charlie seems to consider this for a moment. Only for a moment. Her expression hardens again. This ends now. She launches the fireball. John jumps out of the way, diving away from the new overlook. In the window, Jackie and the middle-aged man duck. Orange fire colors the thoroughfare as glass explodes into the surrounding buildings. One of those buildings, a warehouse, explodes after being struck by the ball. Debris rains upon downtown, including the new overlook. Inside, Jackie and middle-aged man hold each other beneath the window. Cracks rip through the walls. Books by the likes of Paul Sheldon, Bill Denborough, and George Stark are blown from the gift shop, sizzling on the ground next to the pair. Pyrokinetic attacks. Covered by insurance? John, his sleeve on fire but otherwise unscathed, sprints to Charlie, who's spent after launching the fireball. Begging you to stop! She raises a hand, telekinetically stopping him in his tracks and lifting him into the sky. She throws him through the window of the mellow tiger and he lands, grimacing on the shattered glass. Charlie climbs through the window, marching towards him. He backs up and she holds out her arm again, stopping him, lifting him. She's weak, however, and can only hold him for a moment before collapsing to her knees. John, sleeves still on fire, unleashes a series of practice punches and kicks on her, ending with him drop-kicking her through the window and back onto the street. He realizes his sleeve is still burning. Oh, fuck. He slaps at the fire, terrified. John exits the bar through the door instead of the window, but is struggling with the lock. Inside, Jackie and the middle-aged man are watching. Turn it left, Brainiac. The middle-aged man suddenly gets up. Where are you going? Hey! But he's gone. Look, I left. I'm gone. I'm done with them. They don't have a hold of me anymore. I don't care. I want to destroy them just as much as you do. I don't need your help. I think you do, actually. Enough talking. The two run at each other, ready to fight more. Then, a voice. It's not a physical voice, but a mental one. A brain-rattling command that lands like a sledgehammer in the minds of John and Charlie. Both collapse to the ground, noses bleeding, clutching their heads. And through blurry vision, John sees a figure walking towards him. He blinks, shakes his head. It's the middle-aged man, and he's holding a ring of rope. What? Sit tight, kid. He goes to Charlie, begins tying her arms behind her. You okay? I... You're in good hands, I promise. My cousin, Danny, he's a nurse. Well, 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 well... John fades into unconsciousness. Dark man drives down an empty highway. In the back seat is a muddy blanket. A dirt-streaked bone pokes out the bottom. Yeah, well, perhaps your 
wondering where we're driving this bag of bones at such a late hour. The headlights flash on a road sign. Ludlow. Twelve miles. Well, Fido here deserves a proper burial, don't you think? John and Charlie sit back-to-back in chairs. Each of them are bound by rope. Jackie and Dan stand over them. Time to make nice, you two. Charlie struggles against the ropes. She focuses her gaze on it. A light sizzle, then a fizzle. Her energy is depleted. Her batteries will recharge soon enough. Let's get on with it. How do you two know each other? The shop? You were co-workers? You mean shop as in capital S, shop? Whoa. What is the shop? Government agency. Weird experiments, rumors abound. Very hush-hush. Am I right, John? What do you do to my head? We all have our gifts. What are yours? Besides that roundhouse kick. It's not me you need to worry about. Dan looks at Charlie. Do we need to worry about you? What's your name? Charlie. Charlie McGee. And you do need to worry about him, the sicko. Look, I'm not the one lighting up the entire eastern seaboard. If you'd just stand still, I wouldn't have to. I've been trying to tell you, I'm on your side. You weren't when you were rooting around my brain. At least nobody took a scalpel to it. Dan and Jackie each look at his scar. Look back at each other. They may as well have. Wait a minute. Charlie McGee? I knew that sounded familiar. The Rolling Stone piece. That was you? Surprised you can still find it. They buried that deeper than the dinosaurs. I figured that expose would have buried them. Then you clearly don't understand American power. A million exposés wouldn't bury them. And you worked for them? Not at first. I have this thing. Sometimes if I touch a person, I can see the future. Like a warning. That guy at the bar. If he left with his keys... He would have crashed. Bingo. My mom says I got it from my dad, though she barely knew him, or whatever his power was. Anyways, I got reckless with it as a kid. I bragged about it. It was long before men in black suits were at my doorstep. Took me this loon, this Todd Hunter. He poked me, prodded me, took a knife to my brain. Eventually they decided they couldn't understand my power, but at least use it to their advantage. They've got drugs there you can't even imagine. Mind control stuff. Don't blame it on the drugs. Charlie was the white whale. She nearly took down the shop two decades ago, and when she resurfaced, they said they're best people after her. Who was it that got you? Andrews? They didn't want to cut her open. Not yet. She's a weapon after all. So they asked me to go in, see what I could see. What did you see? Fire. You want revenge. They killed my dad. They would have killed me if I didn't escape. I want to help you get that revenge. And why should I trust you? Because I'm grieving too. When I finally did get out, I went home to an empty house. My mom, my stepdad, my sisters, all gone. Looked through old papers, not a trace of them. They vanished into thin air. So, why are you here? They move headquarters every few months or so. They're in eastern Maine. That much I know. Been trying to sniff it out for weeks. Look, you can kill me, or you can finish the job you started 20 years ago. Burn the whole fucker to the ground. Temporary truce. But only if you can lead me there. Does this mean we can untie you? Charlie looks at the rope, squints. A small flame bursts and frays them. She stands. Him, maybe. 
They do. We're close. I can feel it. Any chance I can get a room? I'm bushed. Jackie smiles. The red sun is beginning to crest the horizon. On a ravaged patch of rock and dirt, the dark man places one final stone upon a freshly constructed kern. Other kerns surround him on all sides. He is winded, crashing against the dirt. <sighs> Not in the shape I used to be, kid. You feel it too, though. I can tell. You're becoming real hazy-like. I can see the sun through your skin. Maybe, but... Uh, I mean, not that we need to worry about her. Not so much travel on this stretch anymore. Not since that Creed kid got smeared across it. Do you feel it? The prickle? Needles in your eyes and ears? It's the air. Poisoned. Do you feel anything? I... You... All I feel is hate. A thunderclap from the west. His smile fades. Dark clouds. He looks east towards the sunrise. The sun, having crossed the horizon, bears subtle facial features. Leering eyes. A frowning mouth. We're not wanted here. These, I would wager, are not my people. I'll perk up again and see R. You too. I've never seen such a bounty of psychic energy in my life. Convergence, the likes of which. Um, the likes of which no one's ever seen before. But it won't swallow easy. Of course, neither does cough syrup. <laughs> Ready to walk back? What about? The dark man looks at his kern. He'll find us. Hell of a nose on that beast. John and Dan sit at a table in the New Overlook's lobby, sipping coffee. Morning sun pours through the windows, highlighting the absolute wailing the hotel took throughout the night. You saw something in your room. Well, what do you mean by something? Don't bullshit me. A pause. John sips his coffee. <sighs> I thought it was a dream. It wasn't. Look, my cousin, she's sweet, but she's... Not like us. What you saw, not everybody sees these things. She doesn't see these things. She's not, how do I say this, touched. What do you mean by these things? A kind of spectral residue. The place Jackie went to, it's the site of an old hotel where my dad died. It was haunted, and the spirits wrecked his head, turned him against my mother and I. When Jackie went there, when she wandered through the wreckage... They latched onto her. Yes. It wasn't the trip that inspired her to open this place. It was them, desperate for a new revolving door of souls to feed on. Feed on? Human essence. 
what some call the soul. It keeps them from drifting into the hereafter. I knew something was up when Jackie told me she was opening the new Overlook. And all it took was for me to walk through the door to know they were... Know they were here. They know me well. But they also know not to mess with me. Don't tell Jackie, but I've been spreading rumors throughout town about this place. Trying to keep people away as I try and convince her to close it down. Seems like it's working. But then you showed up. And Charlie. And, well, me. The energy people like us exude is brighter, more enticing than others. And this town, Castle Rock, this was just about the worst place for a new overlook. Given that this patch of land is already a hotbed for weirdness. I've seen enough evil for a lifetime, but I've never been so scared as I was when I crossed the bridge into downtown. Whatever force rules this town, I wonder if it sent Jackie to the overlook. I wonder if it brought you and Charlie here too. Why? I'm not sure, but we're not alone. There's psychic energy all around us, and something darker too. Something sinister and hungry. It's been breathing on me since I entered this town, and it's getting closer. And I have a feeling you and Charlie's little light show last night is only gonna... only gonna bring them here faster. What do you want me to do? Leave, and take Charlie with you. Let me handle things here. Look, I'm not leaving until I find the shop. If you don't, your problems are going to be a lot worse than some government stooges. A commotion from upstairs. Charlie, hair must, runs into the lobby. Why is there a dog man in my room? John and Dan share a look. Outside, a crowd is gathering. Bill Hodges, bleeding from the forehead, stumbles into downtown Castle Rock. Blinking against the sunlight, he stops when he hears a strange noise. It appears to be coming from a sewer grate. Moses, smell the roses. Inside the new overlook, John and Charlie sit with Dan and Jackie. Cops will be knocking on the door any minute. It'd be best if both of you bailed before then. But if you need a place to stay tonight... Jackie, I think their stay is over. Sure, sure, but if it isn't... But it is. But but if it isn't... I've got a few leads to chase down. You ready? Charlie looks up to the second floor landing. A man in a dog suit is chasing his own tail. She grimaces. Sure. Bill approaches the hundreds of locals who have gathered outside the Mellow Tiger and New Overlook, both of which have been shattered and scorched. A singed banner advertising an annual long walk for charity lies at his feet. Howdy, kid. Jesus, Gramps. What happened to you? Car trouble. Didn't know if you were part of this clusterfuck last night. Care to elaborate on said cluster? You know, you might want to mosey on over to see our general with that bump. Bill flashes his badge. Cough it up, kid. You'd think a flame-spitting tank rolled through, but witnesses, and there's only a handful, say it was a fight between a man and a woman that got out of hand. Bill looks around at the damage. An old-fashioned street fight caused this? And the woman? Think I saw her last night. How do you know it was the same woman? Well, she torched my car. Not sure how, didn't see no bazooka, but she's got something up her sleeve. And the guy? Tessio talks, but Hodges isn't listening. He sees John and Charlie emerge from the new Overlook, hoods over their faces. That's his man. Thanks for the info, kid. Sure. And seriously, you should really get that checked out. Bumps to the head. There's usually more than meets the eye. 
this old noggin's taken its fair share of happy slaps. John and Charlie hustle, head down. Bill drops in behind him, weaving through the crowd. John, paranoid, turns a corner. Bill follows him. The crowd thins. John picks up his pace, looks behind him. Bill is still there, old and overweight, but keeping pace. Who's the stiff? Pain in my ass. Dark clouds begin gathering above. John and Charlie turn into an alley. Bill follows. Before he turns the corner into the alley, he takes a deep breath, crosses himself. Father, son, pacify this unholy scum. Bill turns into the alley. John and Charlie stand, waiting, facing him. You just don't give up, do you, old man? Jigs up, John. You're gonna stop me? I'm gonna help you. Liable to get yourself killed, you keep this up. That's what it takes. You left two bodies behind in Ohio. Charlie reacts to this. What else doesn't she know about him? You ever figure out who they were? Trust me, they won't be missed. You're hunting for something. You might also be running from something. I don't care either way. You killed two men in my backyard, and you're going to pay for that. I don't want to hurt you, man. Looks like you've already been through the ringer. Can't say Castle Rock's been the most welcoming place. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. The clouds have darkened things considerably, and from behind John flash a pair of headlights. They with you? John faces the car, obscured behind its headlights. The car's headlights flash, revealing who's in the driver's seat. At first, it's no one. Upon second flash, however, we see the gray, rotting corpse of a young man in glasses. It's Arnie Cunningham, and he's grinning through bloody teeth. Guess they'll give anyone a license these days. And now the car is speeding towards them, careening back and forth in the alley, mirrors crashing against the brick with a hot spray of sparks. John sprints towards Bill, who is still making sense of what he's seeing. Race yourself! John dives, pushing Bill out of the way as he does. Charlie, however, is not so lucky. The car hits her, crashes into the windshield, flopping to the ground, still and unmoving. John and Bill land on separate sides of the alley as Christine zooms past them, crashing into the building across the way. Its wheels spin for a moment, then stop. Smoke pours from its busted hood. Thanks. Sure. Still gotta take you in. (laughs) Sure. From the alley emerges the dark man. You. Who is that? I just want off for a ride, Detective Hodges. Considering I'm responsible for the destruction of your own vehicle. Sorry about that, by the way, but see, I ain't as good at walking as I used to be. Like you, I am, uh, as they say, entering my golden years. But not without a fight. Because contrary to what you might believe, the fountain of youth exists. We're standing in it. Bad news for you, though. I don't like to share. Behind him, Christine begins to reassemble itself. Dents pop out. Glass knits itself back together. The smoke stops flowing. The car backs up, trains its headlights on John and Hodges. Just like Christine here, I'll be refreshed and restored to my bygone beauty. And I have you to thank for it, Mr. Smith. What are you talking about? Well, never has there been such a convergence of life-giving energy in one place. I'm here to drink it all. With the help of my friends, of course. Christine flashes its headlights. Arnie, still smiling, revs the engine. Dark Man takes a step forward, then stops. A bead of sweat is trickling down his forehead. It 
orange ball of fire emerges, hitting him and throwing him against the hood of the car. Charlie, bloodied and bruised, walks from the alley. Who's the freak? Another voice surprises them from behind. It's Dan. He's with Jackie. Let's find out. Dan steps forward, stands over Darkman's scorched body. He closes his eyes. We're now inside the dark man's mind. It's like being inside a black cloud. Plumes of gas swirl around him. Some bring with them glimpses of memories. The dark man, wrapped in black, marches across the desert, red eyes searching the sands behind him. The dark man, hiding beneath a hood, mixes liquids in a stony lair. A two-headed parrot watches him. A nuclear blast. The sensation of falling. A splash. The dark man, nude, floats in salty water. Suddenly, through a thick veil of gas, emerges the dark man's face, eyes ablaze and smile wide. How are you, Dan? Dan is snapped back into the world of the living. He turns to the others. He's not. The sound of stampeding cuts him off. He turns, and down the alley he sees a muddy, bloody St. Bernard running towards him. Its fangs are bared. Cujo is alive, and it leaps at Dan, taking him to the ground. Charlie holds out a hand, closing her eyes. She raises it, and Cujo is jerked into the sky, bringing with it Dan's throat. Charlie releases her grip, and Cujo falls. A thick, sparkling steam is pouring into the air from Dan's ripped-open throat. His glazed eyes show no life. It is funneling itself into the dark man's mouth. He sits up, blinking. His burns begin to heal. He smiles. Cujo licks his face. Yeah, the boy. He doesn't just stand. He levitates above them. Cujo and Christine flank him. John, Charlie, Jackie, and Hodges square off. Charlie throws fire at him, but he raises his hand. It evaporates. Now that I've had my appetizer... He takes a step forward, then stops. A sickly green light covers his face. It covers all of their faces. Hovering above them is a gigantic spaceship, one nearly the size of the entire downtown. Green light spins off of it in every direction. Wasn't expecting that. I don't take care of myself like I should. What would Mama say if she could see me now? Each other
This has been a bloody disgusting show. Thanks for tuning in. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs>